Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine and in this week's episode I am going to be reviewing episode 5 of ITV Sanditon. So, episode number 5. We have made it into the second half of this series and I loved it. I really enjoyed that episode. If you have listened to the earlier episodes of this series, you'll know that I've had a bit of trouble sort of settling in with this series. Part of it is what they were doing, part of it was what I was expecting out of it in regards to how much of Jane they borrowed from and lent on and then what they were going to become after they finished with Jane. So lots of trouble. But this episode, I can honestly say I enjoyed from start to finish. Of course, I have a few issues with it. But overall, I had that exact feeling that I wanted after watching an episode of a series, which was, oh my god, I have to watch the next one now. (laughs) Of course, I didn't. I'm a good girl. I'm leaving that for next week so that I can review it for you live. But that is exactly the feeling you want when you're watching a series. You want to go, oh my god, what's going to happen next? And then not in a really sort of dubious kind of sceptical kind of apprehensive way that I've been sort of looking towards the next episode so far you know as I said earlier I've had troubles I've always been sort of I'm interested to see where it goes in a how badly can they screw this up kind of way not necessarily that far but certainly there was okay let's see what they do But this time it was, oh my god, I need to know what is going to happen. It was great. I really, really enjoyed it. So let's start discussing it. This episode, it primarily revolves around a town game of cricket. Now, I think the choice to make it cricket as a sport, the one that gathers the town, I think that was a really good decision. A lot of the time they do stick to football because that's the sport that everybody knows. Um, I do appreciate that there are cricket fans out there in the world, but in terms of the general public, football is more accessible. And unfortunately, rugby hadn't been invented in Jane Austen's day, so (laughs) none of that, unfortunately. But cricket was a very important sport in Georgian Britain, so much so that it is apparently how Prince Frederick died. He got hit in the chest by a cricket ball during a game and it caused him lung problems and he died, so the story goes. So that's how how much a society was infiltrated by cricket, so to speak. And it really was a very popular game, so I'm really glad that they stuck with that and didn't go for the game of football instead. There was a little part of me going, oh my god, how condescending is it to have a cricket game between workers and between gentlemen? Uh, But I think that's my own personal feelings rather than a critique of what they've done or their interpretation of the era. So (laughs) I thought I'd mention it, but it's not a big bugbear, so to speak. So this episode really had me going in terms of 
setting me up expecting something to happen and then it not. Again, I'm not entirely sure if that is was the creator's intentions to sort of be misleading like that or whether it was just me. I have an awful tendency to sarcastically predict the future of an episode or a storyline or something like that and you know being sardonic and oh this is gonna oh they'll do that then won't they and then it comes true um, <laughs> but this time I'm glad to say I could be sarcastic to the heavens and I still hadn't figured out what was going on so that was really really nice but also very nerve-wracking. I was sat on the edge of my seat the whole time, expecting that crash and the cringe and the accident. And I just kept expecting it and expecting it. At first, I thought there was going to be some kind of fight between Sydney Parker and Mr Stringer outwardly over, I don't know, a badly bowled ball that hit the other or an illegal bowl or something like that when really it was actually about Charlotte, you know. So I was expecting that. And then I started expecting that Mr Stringer was going to take his disdain of Mr Parker a bit too far and injure him. And then Charlotte was going to get really annoyed with him because he hurt Mr Parker. And that didn't happen. <laughs> And then I was thinking, oh, he's going to get so, Mr. Stringer, he's going to get so upset that Charlotte's playing for the gentleman and for Parker rather than for him. And, oh, so many things I kept expecting to happen, but they didn't. One thing I didn't expect to happen was Georgiana getting kidnapped at the end. That was a twist and a half. Um, <laughs> it's... This was a difficult one, whereas the rest of the twists and non-twists, as they saw them, were quite fun and subverting. This one has me a little bit more wearisome. Wearisome? One of the two. Um, <laughs> I'm either weary or wary. <laughs> can never tell those two apart. But anyway, I'm slightly worried about it, because if you remember back to last week's episode... We had this whole big explosion between Sydney Parker and Georgiana Lamb, and Charlotte was in there as well. And there was Georgiana's lover, for want of a better word, um, Otis. And at the time of last time's recording, I was saying that I really hope that this isn't a double bluff on Sydney's part that we've exposed him for being part of the slave trade and that he's done bad things and he's stopping them from being together and then they were going to turn around and say oh it's okay he was good after all even if he was involved with the slave trade there was going to be some reasonable excuse for it or whatever and he would be redeemed I'm still worried on that score I have to say I have not come around on Sydney Parker at all. I still dislike him. Not necessarily as much as I did, and I think I'm slightly warmer to a redemption story for him, but it, he still annoys me and I still don't want him. I still want him to get his comeuppance, basically, because even if he had a good reason for keeping Georgiana and Otis apart, just explain it. For the love of God, 
Like, he treats women like children. He really does, that they are lesser than men and have difficulty understanding complex notions, you know, business and love and all that kind of stuff, duty and honour. So even if he has reasonable reasons (laughs) for keeping Georgiana away from Otis, And even if she's hidden them from Charlotte and Charlotte has been led along a merry dance by by Georgiana, Sydney still has blame here because he and Charlotte have been up and down, up and down since the beginning. Like I said, they really cannot settle on how they feel about each other, which worries me in terms of him being her love interest because, again, I really want her to end up with Mr Stringer. Oh, he's adorable. I love him to pieces. Um, anyway, off track. <laughs> but however up and down they have been, when he left for London or wherever it was, I think it was London, a couple of episodes ago, episode three or something like that, he charged Charlotte with looking after Georgiana because they had come become quite good friends. Now, if you are going to trust somebody to do that for you, you need to tell them what you're looking out for, what they should be looking out for. It's all well and good to say, oh, I told you that they shouldn't have been together when everything has come out and all the reasons why Otis is bad and why he kept him from her and all this stuff, when all that comes out, even then, he should have explained it in the first place. Maybe it's not any of Charlotte's business, fine, but you've put her in a position of responsibility. Obviously, you trust her that far, so you're going to have to trust her with the rest of the information as well. You can't give somebody half the tools for the job and expect them to complete it properly, is what I'm trying to say. So even when, I say when because I expect that's where it's going, though it has proved, this series has proved me wrong before. When everything comes out and Sydney is redeemed in terms of his behaviour and the explanations are all given, he still bears responsibility. And I still think he is not a nice bloke. I'm not necessarily going to say he's a bad person. He's just not a good one. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. So, yeah, that really frustrated me. Sydney just treats women appallingly. Obviously, it's in keeping with the time, but I'd rather that isn't... What am I trying to say? I'm I'm trying to say I hope it's not a part of the main storyline for Sydney in a good way, that it's excusable. That's what I mean. I hope it isn't excusable behaviour at the end of the day. There we go. <laughs> See, this is the problem when I don't write a script for these episodes. <laughs> when I do it off the top of my head, I cannot think of words to save my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, so at this point, I am kind of resigned to Sydney having a redemption arc. I just hope that he is held accountable for his behaviour because it's not great. He hasn't been that good of a person and he can't be cross for other people's actions if he doesn't trust them enough to tell them the whole situation. So there we go, rant over. Man, I do not like Sydney Parker. (laughs) Anyway, let's have a look at my notes and see what else I noticed during this episode. So, hmm, ooh, okay, yes, the denims. 
the Denims. Once again, a very interesting storyline from them. I mentioned in the last episode that I found theirs the most compelling at the moment because they were the ones that had the biggest change in terms of a, a midway point 180, basically, <laughs> um, particularly Miss Denim. And this was an interesting one for them. At the beginning, I felt that Miss Denim was really becoming her own character rather than one half of the Denim siblings, which I was really enjoying. And I totally agree with her about not marrying Lord Babington. He is a fool. I do not like him. <laughs> slightly, I like him slightly more than I like Sidney Parker, but I still don't like him. Um, <laughs> so I completely agree with her refusing him. But I just hope it wasn't because of her brother, because she's finally had that awakening that we had in the last episode. And she seemed to stand her ground on that. And I hope her intellect is worth more than just a simple snog, you know, between her and her brother, which still you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where she goes with that and what happens because she is sort of stepping out on her own now. So I'm glad to see that. And I just hope that it stays that way. Another interesting aspect for the Denims is Lady Denim. As soon as she started complaining at that cricket match, I was sat there going, oh God, she's going to die by the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> she had a little bit of a spell shall we say and we're left on a cliffhanger with that one so this is going to be fun because either it's going to be a false alarm and people are going to be forced into behaviors that are going to reveal their true nature <clears throat> lord denim um <laughs> or it's going to be a real alarm and she's going to die and nobody's going to know what to do. And it's just going to be utter chaos. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. <laughs> I hope she's okay. Like, I'm still on the fence about Lady Denim. I'm not quite sure. She seems quite shrewd and doesn't suffer fools gladly. But then on the other hand, she also seems to be buying into a lot of stereotypes and cliches as well so it's it's sort of like half Mrs Bennet from Pride and Prejudice and Lady Catherine from Pride and Prejudice and a little bit of Lady Russell from Persuasion and it's a bit of a mess but either way I kind of like having her character around and I would like to see what she would do if she makes it to the end of the series but also her death could prove quite interesting. Now, I know that they were kind of expecting, they were planning on a series two of Sanderton. I know that because <laughs> the series went out, it did okay, and then the news came that it had been cancelled and that season two wasn't happening. So apparently they've been planning for it. So I wonder if that's what they were saving for sort of the series ending cliffhanger and that was going to be Lady Denham's death. Things would have settled and we would have thought everything was okay and then like a minute from the closing credits, Lady Denham was going to kick the bucket. Um, <laughs> 
So I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm really excited to find out. And I don't know if I can wait a week not to watch this episode. (laughs) Okay, any other big points? Still, as ever, I absolutely adore Arthur Parker. I think he's wonderful. Oh, I love him to death. He feels, he definitely feels to me sort of the most Austin esque character in terms of caricature and parody of everyday people. And I just love him. He's great. <laughs> I don't love him in the same way that I love Mr. Stringer. I still think he's a really brilliant character. And he's so much fun to have around. And oh yes, I do have to say the filming of the cricket and everything on the beaches at Breen was lovely and it made me realise how much I miss it. Oh, I used to live very near to Breen when I was a kid and it's funny looking back on it now because I remember growing up and thinking, oh my god, it's Breen again, you know, i so sick of it (laughs) like you do when you've lived somewhere for donkey's years and now that I've moved away and I'm not there and I really miss it I didn't realize how much and then I saw them playing cricket and I was like I want to be there (laughs) so yeah unexpected feels for me there with this episode maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much just the nostalgia of Breen was just seeping in and (laughs) filling me with happy thoughts Okay, just looking at my notes, one other thing that I wrote down, and this is verbatim, Mr. Parker is going to snap and kill them all. Uh, (laughs) This was during the cricket match when he was called out and he didn't think he was and the workers said he was and they had that argument and then they admitted that they hadn't been paid and everybody was like, oh my God. Oh my God, what has Mr. Parker done? And there was that brief moment and I thought, he's going to kill them all. He's, he's just going to, he's going to snap and it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> he had that look in his eye. I do love the actor that was playing him and his facial expressions are just brilliant. And I really thought he was just going to go insane and lose it and have a massive, massive tantrum. But no, instead he walked off and he's gone to London. So, oh dear, what is he going to do? I'm a bit conflicted about Mr. Parker because I don't know whether to feel sorry for him or not. I really don't know. At, At the beginning, he seemed like a really nice guy who was just... He really wanted Sanderton to exceed, succeed and for his business to take off. You know, like everybody wants, he wanted to be successful and make money and provide for his family, basically. He was just in a lot of trouble. And unfortunately, his character seems to have sort of turned a little bit and he's much more angry and not mean so much, more... See, again, words fail me. <laughs> God, once this series is over and I'm back to scripted episodes, I'm going to feel so much better. <laughs> He's quite dismissive. There we go, that's a word. He's dismissive of the workers' complaints. Obviously, he is struggling because he cannot get any more money. But his wife was right, you know. How can he not afford to pay them and buy her jewellery? What's the point? And why didn't he tell anybody? Why didn't he tell her, at least? I mean, he told Sydney. 
fair enough. But Ian and his wife. And again, it's the Parker men treating women like children. That they can't do anything useful, really. And it's a common theme in Jane's novels, you know, staple for most period dramas. But yeah, I don't, I don't know whether I'm supposed to feel sorry for him or not. Because there's part of that, well, it was the mentality at the time, but also he got himself into this mess and his wife deserves to know if there's something wrong so that maybe she can plan ahead. Maybe she could cut back on things. She could help, you know, or at least just so she knows where she is, where she stands. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens to Mr Parker and where that goes. And sadly, I'm not sure about what I want to happen to him. I am... I'm still more on the side of hoping for a good outcome for him, but there is a little part of me that is now picking at the idea of it being a different outcome. So, very interesting. So, to sum up, that was an interesting game of cricket. (laughs) No, I really enjoyed this episode. There were a lot of twists and turns and interesting threads to follow. I hope Georgiana's okay. I hope that Otis isn't a bad guy. I hope slightly that Sydney isn't a good guy. And I hope at least that Mr. Parker can apologise to the people that he's hurt and make it right with them. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to episode six. And I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austinite. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do like, subscribe and share it. All those lovely things that we podcasters love. And if you do have a a spare few minutes, please do head on over to my YouTube channel, Jane Austen BSL. Check out my new video there as well. I will see you next time for a new episode, and until then, happy reading, your faithful servant, the author.